Hello everyone, welcome to BYOB. Uh, absolute pleasure to be back with you. And I'm also back with a very special man. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Jack Gussie? I'm all right. Are you are you better are you better offended by that, mate? Are you a bit no, I just honestly, it made me laugh. I listened to it back. <laughs> And you calling me a special man, just sort of like, I, I it honestly sent me. I think I, just, I often uh, listen back at the gym and it just, I'll be sitting there giggling away to myself while I'm trying to lift weights, <laughs> just a bit pathetic. All right, mate. Do you know what I mean? While I'm lifting weights, do you know what I mean? It's, it's really hard when I'm trying to pump a 35, you know. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. When I'm picking up a three kilo. I'm like that guy that, you know, that, that is always on like the old school films. So someone would be like sitting next to a guy arm curling like a 30 kg and then like the guy next to him is eating a Snickers and like curling. It's like a good nutty professor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> what yeah. a film that is, man. So good. Or, or the old, do you remember? I mean, this might be going back a bit, mate, but remember like the old 90s Mr. Muscle TV adverts? Oh my de- god, yeah, the, next the, to the geeky nerdy guy. Yeah, the geeky nerdy guy would just be walking around in like a vest and pants cleaning his house. Mr. Yeah, Muscle he... loves the jobs you hate. Yeah, but that guy would now be the guy that cleans up. Because he'd be like really into music and he'd have a tattoo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he'd be doing brilliantly for himself. Not back then. Um, Not back then. Uh, Not back then. Uh, Not ba- Mate, I have to say, before we get a, like before we go on too far... Your, it wasn't a Twitter thread. It was more just like two tweets about celebrities you've interacted with. <laughs> I'm again. I'm not joking. Absolutely sent me. It sent me like when one of the gladiators sort of picked on you. It's like that is a nightmare. That's a fever dream. Yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to name. I'm not going to name and shame the gladiator. I mean, are you not? not? No, no. It feels. A Do bit you harsh, still know him? It? Well, I don't. I don't know him, but I. I mean, he he exists. He's on. He's on Twitter and everything. So can I just name a series of gladiators, and you could say hot or cold? Uh, yeah. If, <laughs> if, if, if we must. So uncomfortable. Yeah, I'm squirming. <laughs> yeah. The Go ones on. that jump out at me that I look at, and I think you would pick on me at school. Probably not the Wolf Man. No, it wasn't the Wolfman. A few, a couple of people said that. I was like, no, he was nah. just a pantomime baddie. He wasn't yeah. an actual baddie. He, he was like, um, he was like bad in the sense that, like, like a like one of the wrestlers would be bad. You know that you yeah, just like yeah. Stone Cold went bad for a bit. Um, <laughs> um, uh, maybe Hunter or Trojan. Those two were like quite good looking guys, and like had a bit about um. But look like they would give you a wedgie. You're not cold. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you that. that. I'll take that. I'll take that. If you haven't seen this, Jack did a reply to her tweet. That went massive, didn't it? That, it did. that tweet. It did. Just kind of like so many people having these experiences of meeting celebrities in different ways. What, what, okay. What are some of your um, interesting, non work related? Because I know you no, literally by trade, you basically meet celebrities all the time now oh i've one, got a great one for you one might consider you a celebrity nowadays ben haynes i'm just saying I, have i told you, know. you this one about the guy that i, I met just brushing from... over that <laughs> so you don't want to acknowledge that do you i like that, I like that. <laughs> staying humble staying humble i get it I, yeah, I yeah I, there's a good mate of ours that like does that to me regularly um, yeah. He loves karaoke, but he, he does that regularly to me and just sees me squirm. Like, I just can't deal with loves anything. Loves karaoke and Hugo Weaving. 
Um, so I do actually have a brilliant one for that. I, th- I might have told you this before. Have I told you about the guy that I s- that came into my place of work from the office? No, I don't think so. So I was 16 years old and I was working. Um, I've told this story, so I'm not outing myself as a total loser. But basically, <laughs> I was working um, in in a in a library because it paid so well. Um, it was literally like I, I sacked off my job at Next, working in women's wear at Next every Saturday and Sunday for four hours. And in three hours at the library made the same amount of money. And I just sort of was scanning people's books out. And this guy comes up to the till and he's got a fine on his thing, returned his book late, which obviously a big no-no in the library game. Um, and he had like a 15p fine. And I was like, oh, mate, sorry, you got a 15p fine here. And he started being like, well, it can't be. I'm sure it hasn't been returned on time. And I'm sure I've returned this on time and blah, blah, blah. And he's very kind of like, he's quite polite, but he's very well spoken. I thought, I recognize that voice. And I couldn't place it. And I was racking my brains. And he went into the library. And then I started saying like, I was like, where have I heard that before? And then I went, oh, yeah the office and it was the guy from the training day episode of the office oh really so i ran into the library to go and find him and i was like look mate i, I i'm really sorry but I, I i i have to talk to you about this like you were in my favorite ever episode of the office and i need you to tell me that it was the best experience you've ever had in your life and he said like it was brilliant he said he loved it and he said that people regularly from maybe a distance of 20 yards will shout at him, I think there's been a rape up there. <laughs> and he just has to deal with it on the high street. <laughs> just That's, I mean, that screaming is... at him. <laughs> it's just absolutely amazing. I mean, that is... that. <laughs> That's bad. Like that's it's one of the worst lines to be like associated with, isn't it? Like it's such a hilarious scene, but like like you say, that being bald at you across the street, you know. Yeah, can it's... you imagine people looking and pointing at you? Oh yeah, and he said the other thing that, he, that his um uh that his like mates would regularly do to him would uh say, right, that's lunch. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I imagine like it's not even that big a part and it's one episode and it just sticks with you like that. Just amazing. But that was oh. my definitely my big one. And and you should that have replied to that thread with that. I mean that's that's brilliant. Yeah, I do you know what I should have done? It is it's one of those as well. It's so niche. It's such a like it's such a neat like you wouldn't have seen him in anything else, but I feel like everyone would know that guy. Like if if you've watched The Office, you'll know how bigger how bigger part that is. Just absolutely amazing. He um he wrote. I'm, I want to find his name now. Um, I should take my hoodie off. Sure. I'm sweltering out here. He uh, wrote and directed. But how mental is that? Just absolutely mental. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he wrote and directed a series called Banana. No way. Yeah, I want to. Vincent Franklin. There we go. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I can't, yeah. I mean, I wonder if, is he, if he's been in much else. And he's got quite an interesting... Cucumber as well was in there. Was that... What was... Ban- I never watched Banana. Oh, he was in Bodyguard as well. Do you remember when Bodyguard kind of took over? 
Yeah, it was like, brilliant and it, though, wasn't it? It was, and it was appointment to view watching that. I think it was yeah. kind of like 20, I want to say like 2018 maybe, was it? Bodyguard? God, I didn't even think it was that long ago. And and it it, it sort of just became Sunday nights. Everyone was like, you're going to watch Bodyguard, you're going to watch Bodyguard. And um, I forget the it's, name of the it's guy. It's Jeb Mercurio though, isn't it? He's just, he's got that yeah. knack for being able to write that stuff. I mean, I don't, I don't watch Line of Duty actually, but you know, I hear nothing. Have you ever watched it? it? I watch. I've, the thing is, mate, I've picked up a couple of episodes here and there, and so it's not really made any sense to me. Do you know what I mean? Right. Okay. I. Do, it is. It's one of those that if you can do a couple of episodes back to back, then it, it, it can grab you. It really can grab you. Do you know what? Can we? While we're on this subject, I'm gonna. I, I was interested to know before we speak about films that we've seen at the cinema this week. Have you watched anything great on on uh, sort of Netflix or on demandy? platforms recently i have um what have you got for me oh mate um now my mind's gone blank do you know what i mean that's the annoying <laughs> no, thing because there's so the many cough. there's so many like program stuff okay i tell you what, I, I watched um it's it was on itvx actually um but it's an hbo series called love and death um oh, okay. which stars um what's her name also elizabeth olsen yeah um and I always forget his name, but he's in everything. He played Ted in Breaking, Todd in Breaking Bad. Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons, yeah. Um, it's a it's a true crime series. Um, I think he's fascinating. I have to say, I think just as a guy to look at, I, f- I find him so intriguing. Yeah, he he is, and I I actually I do think he's a good actor, despite the fact that I feel that he plays a very similar role in most things that he's in. Um, but I do find him quite compelling. But yeah, Love and Death is is all right. It's worth checking out. It's just, it's a self-contained, you know, mini series. I think it's eight, eight episodes. Um, small town, middle America, 1970s. Um, it's about an affair between two church-going people in this small community where everybody knows one another um and a murder occurs um and it's all about yeah un- unpacking all of that um but it's it's pretty it's a wild story um don't read anything about it just uh Go into it. I, 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 yeah, it's enjoyable. It's very good performances. I think Elizabeth Olsen is really good. Did you um, enjoy actually. WandaVision? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I, I guess I did. I'm like, you know, I'm not massive on the on the Marvel yeah. things, but I did. I liked, I liked WandaVision while it still had the air of mystery about it. I agree. Um, I agree. Toward the end, I was like, okay, and this has just become another Marvel. Cheers, thing, I'm you know? out. Yeah, yeah, you know. But the bits um, that I have to say, the bit, the first few episodes where she's kind of like exploring the world, and there was that element of intrigue and like, oh, mm. what's going on here? Was was really really cool. Mm. I did really really enjoy that. Okay, I I shall give that a go. Um, I've been I've been getting headfirst into something called the Bear. Yeah, I, I've I've well, I've watched the first episode of The Bear. It didn't grab me, if I'm honest, but I've yeah. been told I'm very wrong for having that opinion. So it is on the list. So uh, Rob Daly put me onto this, like friend of the pod, Rob Daly. We'll have to get him on one week. I'm sure he would. I bet he loves. I bet there's a film that he absolutely loves. 
that he would be great for. Um, He's not but, a Michael Owen, is he? Only watched six no, films, no, eight films. No, but he does. He has got a, a, a youngster, so I I think he's one of those people that probably doesn't get a huge amount of time to to actually sit there and and digest a good film. Yeah. But and he to be fair, he is mostly just going to football matches and talking about them, isn't he? Commentating, exactly. you know, yeah. talking I mean, talking about them. chatty talky yeah. man with Mike. <laughs> he um uh, uh, he put me onto it and um. I got to say, like, I, I it's really grabbed me, and it does that thing. Look, this is going to sound like a very odd comparison, but it does that thing that Scrubs does really, really well. In that it's only half an hour long, but it gets in and it makes a point, and then packs a really emotional punch on a topic or a theme or around a character, and then gets out again within half an hour. So we've been watching it, say, like nine p.m watch an episode of it and it's the perfect length and then if you want to be naughty and do a second episode you can sort of just about squeeze it in before it kind of gets too out of hand like sitting there till quarter past one in the morning and, and can't turn it off but it's it, it, it's a really really nice watch in terms of that it, it does a similar thing to eight mile as well it, it kind of does the a lot of really nice cityscape and really nice just GVs around Chicago and tries to um, give you that sense of everything being really gritty and really raw. And I get the impression that it's not massive budget because everything takes place in a really similar setting. It's based around a kitchen and a guy taking over um, a business that his brother left to him after his brother passes away and the kind of trials and tribulations and the difficulties and hurdles and barriers that he has to overcome as a really high-end chef but working in a very rough and ready uh, restaurant and he really wants to make it work and it just kind of runs through the characters that are also in the kitchen the different chefs and the different people that are working there and it it, it has grabbed me it's not one of those it's not like um something like the last of us right where you are absolutely desperate to watch the next episode mm. but it is really really nice it has great timing has it's sort of a really nice pace to it and it's 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 challenging in the sense that it will like be quite emotionally affecting for some people but it doesn't challenge you in the sense that you're sitting there being like what just happened i can't i, I can't get my head around it so um i'd recommend giving it maybe giving episode two and three a go it won't be for everyone but it is a it is a nice watch can, can um, i give you some well, exciting news that i only just found out. I'm sorry if this is if this is not new to you. No, no, no. Hit um, me. While we're on the topic of the bear, do you remember the film Boiling Point, Stephen Graham? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, one Fan- of one of producer Purdy's favourites, I think. Fantastic, brilliant film. Did you know there is a series coming to net uh, to BBC iPlayer with the original cast? No way. Yeah, uh-huh. Stephen Graham yeah. in. Yep, Stephen Graham's in. What would you call... You know how Komodo Mayo would have, like... They would sort of have, like... They used to have the church, and they would yeah. have, like, the kind of, like... They'd give people... Rents. I think Stephen Graham is, like, part of... He's kind of, like... We sort of put him on a bit of a pedestal on this, don't we? I'm I'm a big mm. Stephen Graham fan. Same, yeah. He's our, maybe our Jason Isaacs, isn't he? Yeah, I feel like he's in the... He's in, he's in our kind of, like... If you had a, I don't know what, maybe if you had like a starting 11, I think Stephen Graham would be one of mine or like a really? squadron. Like, I think he's in, I think he's in, he's just like, he's my sort of like, he's my water oh, carrier. Do, he's the guy's I, always. I tell you what, mate, there's an interesting feature for maybe we'll, we'll, we won't do this on the spot, but a starting 11 of actors. Um, yeah, definitely. 
you you need in there. Mm. We, we, I'm going. I'll let people get involved and tell us how we do this. But how do we sort of get our our kind of like MVP people that we really love? What is the kind of collective noun or the collective term for our group of MVPs that are sort of like pod favourites? Um, but that will be amazing, mate. I love that. I thought that was really really good. And I, I, I mean, it, it, the it. It obviously used similar techniques to 1917, was it? Was that the name of the film that was all one take? Yeah, In yeah. theory, one take. But I think Boiling Point actually did it, right? Did yeah, they not? Yeah, about Boiling Point, yeah, it did. I'm not sure if it was based on a play or not. Um, I think it might have mm. been, um, which makes sense, right? Because 1917 had cuts, didn't it? But it just masked them really well. It did, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, they did do large sections of it um, in single takes, to be fair to them. Um, that was unbelievable, wasn't they it? They didn't. What about, I'd say, another, another amazing one-take uh, sequence is the, the, toward the end of Children of Men. I know we're going to talk about this at some point on this podcast, but the, the final kind of 15, 20 minutes of the, of the film... Just when that. they're sort of like escaping yeah. in the, it's, in the it's escaping that civil war that's breaking out, it's um, it's pretty mad, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, like I I feel like for children and men, we're going to have to be kind of almost like emotionally quite ready for that one. <laughs> it's another one of those where it's like so much of it that's going to be very close to home. Um, yeah, I love that film. So it is. It, it we we are getting into horror season. Um, which means we've got like we've got some great stuff to get into. But I, if if listeners don't mind too much, we've we've both been to the cinema this week and we've seen some some really interesting bits and pieces. So um, should we should we do all of the films we've seen, or should we just take a couple? Um, yeah, go on, yeah, go on. Let's let's just let's take a couple. Go on. Do you want to do the Nun two first? Oh, why not? Go on. We, we as we're doing the Conjuring this week, we'll uh, we'll stay in the Conjuring universe. Um, so, so the nun offshoot basically is, um, based around this character, Valak, who is a demon that has taken the form of a horrifying looking nun. Um, and Valak first appeared in The Conjuring 2, um, as a kind of side character that they then shoehorned in right at the very end of the film to be like, dun, 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 the big reveal. It's Valak. And then, conveniently enough, there's going to be a nun film coming out. Um, and so the nun, the first nun film, um, and this second one really actually, was a kind of origin story um, of how this nun demon came to be. Um, look, so the, the, the second, the second nun film basically takes place after the events of the first one, a couple of years afterwards, um, where the, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to find the actors names. Um, but the, 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 the main character is actually played by, um, Vera, I don't know how to pronounce her name. Vera Famiga, Famigia. Ah. Uh. Famiga, isn't it? Yeah, Vera Famiga. Okay, so it's, it's starring her daughter, Tyson. Right. Um, and so essentially they are, you know, it's, it's set in 1950s. It's in France. Um, there's a priest that's been murdered in this small kind of provincial church. Um, 
and there's this sense that there is an there is an evil there is a presence within this church within this community um and so we have Tessa Famiga who plays sister Irene um who has to essentially come face to face with Valak the demon nun um it, I mean that feels like a very sort of shallow introduction to the film but that is pretty much as deep as the film goes um now i wasn't expecting a tour de force classic piece of cinema when i was going into this i knew exactly what i was going for right it was a i was just in one of those awkward times i'd i'd, I'd done like a i'd gotten up early picture the scene i'd gotten up early on a saturday i'd done a nice sort of seven eight mile hike right i've got a bit oh, of left wow. my yeah i've left my house like eight o'clock in the morning gone for one of my hikes charlotte was charlotte was away for the weekend i thought well i'm not just gonna sit around in the house go for a hike do like a nice seven eight miler i'm feeling nice and kind of tired i had a bit of lunch afterwards and i'm in town and i'm like okay let's just go and sit in the cinema i want to go sit in the cinema and chill i need to sort of be off my feet for a bit not, I'm not overly oh, mate, that's like that's lovely though, isn't it? Do, yeah, that's do you know what I mean? Nice. I just want to, yeah. I just want to veg for a bit. So I want to sit here, like let my Nando's digest that I've just had post walk. Do you know what I mean? And oh, what did you go for? I'm trying to be good at the moment. So I had chicken thighs, broccoli, and rice. Nice. Um, and it's still nice, you know. Still nice. You do want a mountain of chips covered in parsley. Of course you do. Yeah. But you know, it is what it Needs is. Needs must. You, it needs must, and you want to sort of recover well. You know, you you know what it's like if you've if you've done a, a decent amount of exercise, you want to recover well. You don't want to feel like shit after you've done it. So. <laughs> anyway, um, so I've I've done that, and then I've, I'm like, it's what time is it? It's you know, it's, it's after I've finished wandering about and everything. It's like you know, ten past two or something like that, and I'm like, oh, fuck, so I'm okay. None too. Go on then. Why not? Why not? It'll be fun. Do you know what I mean? It'll be fun. It wasn't fun. <laughs> like it just and this is the thing mate like i said i wasn't expecting a classic but you're going into this type of thing being like this might be kind of a good crap film and i'll give you an example i've spoken about already on here a good crap film very similar like in terms of a, from a genre perspective was the pope's exorcist with russell crowe in it that was a crap film but it was really good fun russell crowe was on good form the story kind of like had a good ebb and flow to it. There were some decent little set pieces in there that were genuinely quite, you know, unnerving. And it was just good fun overall. This and Unto was, it It was honestly like, this is the best, the best way I, I should have like given you a synopsis of this is like saying, go on to chat GPT and say, write me the outline for a film about a scary demon nun that is terrorizing a church in 1950s France. And that's what you'll get back is something that is devoid of any real character that has, that is devoid of any sense of ingenuity. That There's no fresh ideas there. It doesn't feel like there's any effort or real love being put into this film. It feels like a stock conveyor belt, churn out horror film just 
cash grab. It's so oh, it's, it's, is... it's not scary. There's nothing to it. There were, there's not even a single moment of the film, honestly, where I thought, okay, I quite like that little bit. It's all naff. It's naff. It's predictable. It's not scary. It's boring. It's so pedestrian and boring. And honestly, for me, I'm being genuine. It's like zero out of ten territory. It was so that bad. bad. That it was bad. So bad. That's, so bad. So that's my my one is Geostorm yeah. for that, and it, this is really? on that level. Yeah. God, imagine so that. bad. You know. That is, and what's the like? I'm just looking now to see what the um what the runtime is. About close to two hours. That's <laughs> not is. okay. That's an hour fifty. No. It says that's yeah. mental. You can't be doing that. An hour and fifty minutes. And it's it's one of those films that like the funny thing is by like the the third act, like the 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 resolution of the film, it wasn't even a horror film anymore. It was this weird naff, almost kind of like action film. Where it was like suddenly like the you know sister Irene as the, the god soldier is having this big epic biblical fight with a demon and it's all like power and explosions and all this type of stuff and you're like this isn't even a, f- a horror film this is just nah. some muck I'm trying to make this point about like faith and do, do you know what I mean like these really kind of like mawkish unsubtle themes of like I say faith and perseverance and belief and stuff and you're like yeah but you're not doing you're like this is all through just the, through the veil of pretending that it's deep whilst yeah, it's actually it's just, just something that just oh awful. mate that sucks but then you went to you you did um dumb money did right after up. right yeah I did. I did nice. do that, and you've seen Dumb Money as well, haven't you? Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed Dumb Money. Yeah. That, that for me, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't say it's a crap film. I think it's. A, I think it's, Dumb Money is a, a good film, but in terms of going to the cinema and getting exactly what I wanted from it, went on Friday night, and me and the missus went and and just Friday night showing every man. So, like slightly upper echelon on the snack scale. Um, and just like really, really enjoyed it. And I'm, so I'm Could, could you give us the, just to, just on the, on the off, give us all the, the listeners, anybody who hasn't seen it yet, give us like the, the pitch, the elevator. What is the synopsis of Dumb Money? So I, I think the, essentially, if you've seen the, the, if you saw the news about GameStop, um, which was a gaming shop in the US that was that had gone through a fairly turbulent period of not really being that popular. Um, it's been like COVID, computer exchange over here, right? Yeah, and the other one I think of is always game. Or they Do you remember it? game? Yeah, like I don't know, is that still alive? Game is still alive, yeah. Yeah, so that was, and I mean, as, uh, like for a lot of people that are listening, and and probably some. Uh, yeah, for a lot of people listening, they would have gone as a kid and had a PlayStation or had a Game Boy or had an N64 or had a PS2, PS3, PS4, all of that. If you wanted to go and buy a game, you would go to game or you'd go to like you'd go to one of the various gaming shops there. Well, there wasn't many of them, but GameStop is kind of like that. Um, and this guy who is, um, I guess, a, an investor, but on the periphery of investing, he's not your kind of straightforward 
works on Wall Street and invests in stocks. He's he's very much on the periphery and he's a bit of an influencer, really, um, is putting punts on stocks, but also uploading to YouTube what he's doing and sharing his portfolio with people to say, hey, guys, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm investing in. And really what the film's about is fundamentally, I, I won't go too heavily into the stocks and shares bit, because I think a lot of that is probably quite dull and quite boring. But when the phrase dumb money is essentially about people that um, trade as an individual, the everyman trying to trade and trying to have a bit of a punt on a stock and saying, oh, that looks like it's doing well. I'll chuck some money on it. And what people in Wall Street will do is that they will bet against you. They'll say, well, you don't know what you're doing, so I'll bet against you. And then when your stock, essentially, it's like taking out insurance on shit stock, saying like, I'll insure myself against this stock. So I'll say this stock won't work and then I'll get a big payout when it doesn't work. Um, and essentially the I film- I just don't get it. That's the problem. <laughs> you don't get that bit. Yeah, see, see, this this is the, 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 the kind of tough bit with the film, right? It does require a little bit of, it requires a little bit of understanding of those like quite deep and, and quite sort of tough to grasp um, sort of, not issues, but um, kind of just themes, right, around finance and trading. But what I would say that the film does quite well is it presents to you this character that's basically taking on the system. It's, it's David versus Goliath, but with stocks and shares. Um, and I think it does a good job of basically saying, even though the entire game is rigged against the everyman and all of these bankers that have stupid amounts of money to invest are always going to win out in the end, occasionally you can get one over on them. And the film follows, um, I forget the name of the, I forget the name of the the guy who's the, um, Keith Gill is played by Paul Dano. Um, it follows him as he basically gets a massive cult following of people being like, you know what, I'm going to follow you. What's and he decides Roaring to... Roaring Kitty or something? Yeah, that was it, Roaring Kitty. And he's just a silly sort of YouTuber, but he says, you know what, I like GameStop and I'm going to invest in it. And Seth Rogen plays a, a kind of Wall Street exec who's like, you guys are idiots, I'm betting against you. But just the power of people sort of getting together and building a community essentially sort of wins the day as it were. And I think the thing that I'd say with this is good fun. It's, it's quite light if you don't get bogged down in the, the financial stuff. And it is a really great get in, get out, go home. You're not going to go home still thinking about it for weeks to come, but it's fun. And it like it has laughs mm. in there and it does have a little bit of an emotional beat to it as well. There's some really nice stuff around. It's, do you know what? What I will say for it, it's the first film that I've seen that handles COVID in a way that feels real, authentic, but feels very much like this has been shot now, but we're talking about COVID like it was a real thing. Yeah. As a, as opposed to kind of like, oh, well, we're just doing a film now and like a pandemic is not a thing anymore. This very much kind of reflected on that period of time and actually talks about the idea of loss and the idea of kind of like how you behave or how we all behaved during that period. And I think one of the cool bits about GameStop was that it was one of those few shops that managed to stay open because it sold keyboards and mice. So 
it could also sell games as well. Uh, so you could go down to it on the high street. But you you didn't you didn't like find it as accessible, right? Well, I mean, I loved it. It's the same as like I say, it's pretty much exactly the same experience I had with The Big Short in that right okay i enjoyed the movie i enjoyed lots of the like you say the emotional beats in there um i do if i'm being brutally honest with you i struggle with pete davidson um yeah not, i'm not a big fan of his i don't like him as an actor i don't find him very believable or particularly likable um i think he's do you like paul dano i do like paul dano very much so so um, did you find that quite challenging I did go. I, I I think Pete Davidson stuck out like a sore thumb. He, I don't think tonally he was right for the film. Um, but again, like I say, I have my own biases against him. I'm, I'm just I'm just not a massive fan of his. Um, if I'm How honest. did you find Seth Rogen? Good. I mean, it was interesting to see him playing that type of role. Pretty straight role, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he handled it. I think he handled it well. Um, I just, like I say, I watched him in the Apple series Platonic not long ago where he's flexing more of his, still he's a, it's a comedic kind of role, but he's flexing more of a, his sort of serious acting chops in that. Um, so I, was, I guess I was prepared for it. I quite liked him in that. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole, the machinations of the film, the actual processes that everybody's talking about, the ways in which the stock market works, the ways in which people exploit it, the hedge funds and the like. I just don't, under- I, and I've tried, you know, I've tried after the big short to read it and work and it just, it, it just swirls around like word and number soup in my head. Yeah. I just can't, I, that stuff is just not, the, do you know what I'd say is, it's just not the way I'm programmed. My brain just doesn't. No, I totally get know, that. And I have to say, information in that way. The, the big short, where I felt like the big short fell down, it did such a great job of explaining so many of these difficult things in very smart ways, you know, doing the whole Margot Robbie in the bath. Yeah. Here's Anthony Bourdain speaking about <laughs> like the, the, the um, CDOs and all of that kind of stuff. But the one thing that the big short failed to really, really um get across was what shorting a stock is like mm. i mean they obviously try very hard because it's the foundation of the whole film but i don't feel like they made that easy to understand and it is quite a strange thing to understand the idea that if you're buying a stock for a pound someone on the other side can be like well i bet that that stock's going to fail so give me insurance on that stock and pay me out when it does fail because it seems so ridiculously counterintuitive. But I think that's quite fascinating just in this film because it, if you, once you go one layer beyond that, basically what you see is the whole thing is just rigged. It's rigged against the everyman. Like it's just totally, it's a total joke. You sort of see some of the lives that these people are living are in, in that inner sanctum of, money just being on another level and you you start to understand why money just comes to money just comes to money um well and then the way they start just bending the rules when it doesn't go their way and yeah it's it's really nobody cares and when the when the you know when the curtain is lifted if you like when you when there's no facade there and you just see it for what it is it is it really is a case of like 
look peasant be quiet go back yeah, to you yeah. go back to the field you shut and it shut up you know yeah that's, exactly you know that's kind of that's the thing I mean, films like that they do they do end up getting me a bit riled getting me a bit annoyed but you know um i really i did i did really you know despite like i say for a lot of it just kind of nodding along and being like oh yeah cool um i did really like um dumb money and yeah Paul Dano's great. America Ferreira, I think, was brilliant as well. Oh my god, um, she's great, huh? In the film, and uh, I, I, I'm not sure who they were, but the two, uh, the lesbian couple, the two girls, yeah, they were great, absolutely um, phenomenal. Yeah, um, Mahala Herald, I think she was. She was really, really cool. I liked her a lot. I thought she was her character was great, um, and we got a little, uh, a little sort of uh cameo almost from Nick Offerman. We did, yeah. Uh, with everyone calling him an arsehole. <laughs> yeah. And I mean to me he can do no wrong after The Last of Us. I just yeah. think I, I like I just think his episode of The Last of Us is, is one of the greatest episodes of any show ever. Um anyway, we, we should move on because we have got a film to talk about this week from uh yesteryear, but we've got a bit of a, a treat for everyone. We do. That like time to shoot the Purdy signal into the sky, um, because around like I, I would say maybe an hour after we said we were going to do the Conjuring, he was absolutely buzzing because the Conjuring is one of Purd's favourites. So we're making a sort of like we're making a power play here, really, and bringing on our secret weapon. Oh, go on, Purdy at the back post. Hello, here he is. About it, long time. Yeah, what what a treat to have you on the other side. How do you feel? You are welcome. Um, I've prepared enough, but we'll see how it goes. You two are naturals at this. I've not really done this before, so please ease me have into you, it. Have you been sitting there for the last thirty six minutes, being like, "Jesus, being they like, talk a lot." Come on, lads, this is the Conjuring podcast, yeah. and you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Can't even remember now. Stocks and shares. And... Stocks and yeah. shares. People in libraries. <laughs> have you seen it yeah but to be honest no, you enjoyed well, that story yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I heard it about five years ago, so. <laughs> yeah i know i thought i told one of you before yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. I had it's told a great one story purdy yeah. i'm gonna warn you you're coming in hot on your mic and i don't want you to uh, think no. for a second As that... the editor i can turn that down in post but i'll do Good. it for you now i'm, I'm just making uh, sure that, that you is that lower yeah that's absolutely yeah, fine it's a bit less um so purds unfortunately mate you've you've drawn the short straw you didn't tell me this you're gonna spoil the film baptism of fire welcome to the party pal i've already Um, said i'm the editor so i can cut this out can you just purds will you be like uh, you can take this on in any way that you like so if you want to do it like in the traditional sense and just balls it up like jack and i fine if you want to kind of just ruin the ending straight away fine you take like you go with your instincts go with your instincts i'm just gonna get a stopwatch up there and but purdy just think about all those times right you know when liverpool pick up an injury and you're like yeah just chuck that youth team player in he'll be all right in, in a premier league fixture yeah this is uh this, this is how is it huge. feels this is how it feels bunny yeah right i'm gonna give you a, a, a three second countdown yep mm-hmm. three mm-hmm. Two. Oh, God. One. Okay, so the film starts with Annabelle the doll, and we're basically told this is a possession film. There are going to be demons involved. 
Uh, then a fact screen comes up, and this is a true story, which makes it a thousand times more 15 scary. Fifteen seconds. Okay. Um, introduced to the family, they've just bought an old house, which is a bit creepy. So you're like, oh, probably some demons in here. <laughs> um, nothing really happens for the first half an hour, but it's still scary, still intense. And then we see some some gal at the top of a wardrobe attacking the kids, and then they have to get some people in to scare away the demon and the mum gets possessed trying to kill her own daughter and then she's fine in the end and yeah that's sweet yeah very nicely <laughs> done oh, I can't give you that, give you that. <laughs> yeah, done in forty about 40 seconds yeah, that was see. got close to the end and just what sod it <laughs> was I right did I encapsulate it well you yeah, did it wonderfully yes, well I but I do have a question for you straight away something that um, jumped out at me when you were elegantly weaving your way through the film hmm. why is it scary at the beginning you said it's like it's going th sort of through the motions, and it's not scary, but it is scary because you get in little you get in little teasers. So I mean, the first shot immediately is like scary when the the camera's inside the house and it's and it's zooming outside to the car. That's just unsettling to start with because it's showing you something in the house. Exactly, there you go, and that's what I learned in my A levels studying this horror genre. If you didn't know. Oh, um, go on, no, go on. Go, yeah, go on. So, Pray tell. Well, that was it, really. <laughs> I remember learning some of the conventions from the horror genre, and that was one. You know, if if there's a free hand camera shot in the house, someone's watching, um, and that's the first shot they use. So, and then there's little um, little droplets on the way to the first big scare scene. So the dog dies. That's a bit unsettling. Bird flies into the window bruises on the arm, etc. So it's not just plodding along. You get in, you get in there, basically. This, but, you're going to kill me for this, both of you, but when the dog died, all I could think of was Scary Movie 3 when they go, the dogs are acting <laughs> <No>. strange. <laughs> I think I and did it, think of that as well. <laughs> and it just cuts to like two dogs smoking shisha, another dog on a tractor, and then another do another oh. dog carrying like a, a big sort of like, almost like a horse-drawn cart thing behind it. <laughs> Oh but, my god! Um, this is this is James. The sorry to take you away from uh, from scary scary movie, movie but, three. Sorry, but I, th I think <laughs> this is one of the things that James went, especially in this period, was like spectacular at. Like what you're saying there, Purdy, is that he he managed to build up the suspense, and that's that's one of the things I felt with the Conjuring so well. Unlike the Nun Two, which I was just talking about there, where it's literally it's as bait as like the first scene. You're suddenly like. Oh, like there's a there's a shuffle behind somebody. Oh, and then they look round and the nuns there, and they just make a big loud bang, like with the score to make people jump. And you think this is crap. The way in which, like you say, it's droplets. It's layer by layer by layer. It's the fact that you know you've got how you've 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 got a family moving into a house that's dilapidated. That's not their their usual safe surroundings do you know what i mean that in itself you're like oh that's enough to unnerve somebody yeah there's yeah go on sorry it's just like the first the first half an hour of the film is is basically silent and like you're saying with the nun you know like the mum has bruises on her arm i guess in the nun they would have been like Boom! 
Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just silent. You're like, yeah. mm, a bit weird. The, the nun, honestly, the nun two was the type of thing where they would literally have like a CGI demonic hand like squeezing her arm <laughs> to make the bruise. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's that type of thing. Um, I have to say that that the the build up to that first. The, it, I, so, can I give you my confession now? Ooh. So I watched this lights on, on an iPad, like uh, whilst I was, uh, I was like, I'm going to be doing something whilst I watch this. So every time there's a jump scare that I like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I it's feel fine. like you've ruined the experience. Of the no, film. no, no. I, I, because I literally got about 20 minutes in and I felt it was absolutely bizarre, but I felt like every hair on my mm. legs stand on end. And it's I a horrible could, film, isn't it? It really is. I, and do you know what? I didn't. I didn't mind. I think Perg, I think you're spot on. I didn't mind the end so much. I didn't mind the kind of like once you know what's going on and you're kind of engaged in that sort of like it's a fight between good and evil sort of thing. You know what side you're on. What I can't deal with and what scares the life out of me is the little scenes of the girl going like. Leave me alone. Get off my foot. Oh, and you're like, oh, no, what is it? What is it? What is it? And it's kind of like, like you said, it's like peeling back layers of the... Uh, the, of clap, the kind of... clap game. Can we, can we go into the... Can we do the clap clap game? Like, <laughs> in, it just in respect of like how we... Every single moment of that, how it's built up. We're yeah. talking about him drip feeding things in. The way you just see the kids at the start of this this film playing this game and you know that, that's going to come back to well, you do don't you <laughs> oh, right and you're like something oh, creepy oh, is going to happen mom, as a result oh, of this oh, oh, the wardrobe <laughs> it's, it's yeah. for me the, it's the it's the worst one is when she's going down into the basement oh yeah. and when he goes down with the matches I'm like stop doing that <laughs> And like the match, you, you, because the, the other thing is that like one of those things that's so scary is that you apply your own, you kind of fill in the gaps on a lot of stuff. So he lights a match and you're like, right, the average match probably lasts about 15 seconds yeah. in terms of how, how much time you've got. So you're doing the pacing for the character you're kind of like, you're scaring yourself because you're like, that match is going out in a second and he's going to be left in the pitch black. Can he please just get out of there and stop going further and further in? But, but at so many moments, nothing happens. Hmm. What, what is it though about, for me anyway, like I'm saying, you know, what is it about the fact that you can just have, you can hear like a ghostly clapping somewhere in a house that is so much scarier than like we say, when it gets towards the end of the film and you actually have ghosts and demons and stuff all on screen yeah, just running not, about. Well, because it's just not feasible. You know, that's just not going to happen, is it? You're not going to see a ghost on top of your wardrobe, are you? But if you hear a creak in the middle of the night, that's suddenly a bit more realistic and you're like... Do you, oh, do you think that's what it is? Yeah, less is more, isn't it? I wonder, ever it's, I wonder whether it's more because you think in your imagination it could be way worse than anything you could possibly see. You know, your imagination is so brutal and so it kind of can take you absolutely anywhere. You know, it could be like that little double clap. I mean, like, what is yeah. it? I yeah. don't know what that is. 
And if you can see it in front of you, you're kind of like, well, I know, like, okay, there's like, I mean, it doesn't make it any less petrifying when you suddenly see that little demon on top of the wardrobe. Ugh. When you see it, and it is just the embodiment of kind of like... It's only the way it jumps off the yeah, top that's note. That's the so only... It ruins it for me. only <laughs> critique of this film is that one jump-off scene. Yeah. yeah. It completely removes you. Like, they should have cut before that. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of weird, isn't it? The the close-up, the, the fast zoom in to the face is scary enough, and you don't need to see it. Yeah. Do a weird little wee. Yeah. What do, you, <laughs> what do you think, Jack? What do you... Like, why do you think that's more scary? I guess you're right. The clap clap thing is horrifying. Yeah, it is. I couldn't tell you. You know, I think there's probably something in that that per saying it feels almost more believable. I think there's something more sinister as well in not knowing maybe the intentions of whatever's doing the clapping. When oh, you know yeah. something's when you know something's kind of the you know, this big sort of demon with sharp teeth or whatever, you know it's out to get you, so your role then is to get away from it, right? You 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 revert back to flight, or fight or flight really. Um and that becomes you becoming into a more animalistic sense. I guess there's something that I think maybe the very nature of the clap clap game is it's kind of taking you back to this place of childhood in a way. So mm. already it's conjuring these feelings of childhood vulnerability um and the f- and the, the the blindfold is it, it really yeah, it amps yeah. up that vulnerability doesn't d- it d- doesn't it the clap clap game that whole bit it reminds me of that same feeling and i don't know if this ever happened to you guys but if you ever have those like real kind of early formative memories when you would place you know when it'd be like christmas or something like that and it's you and all the cousins and stuff like that about the siblings and the cousins and you've got a couple of the cousins that are a bit older and you all do something like play hide and seek mm. and you're the one that's having to find everybody but they and this this genuinely did happen to me once my uh, my other cousins sam and luke um they quite nicely we were at my grand's house this old kind of like cottage up in yorkshire um and i remember one time when we were playing not hunting we were playing 40 40 you know we were talking yeah, 40, about 40 40 home great game what a game and game to the ages play that us three it was around <laughs> every week instead it, of was, it was around christmas time and so all the parents had gone to the pub for christmas and then like my like my older cousin like jonathan was there he was probably about 18 at the time so he was kind of watching over us all and we were all playing, but anyway, my sort of two, my two cousins, Sam and Luke, who are both sort of about five, six years older than I am, so a bit older, and quite yeah, you know, it makes quite a difference back then when I was probably seven or eight. I remember we were playing forty forty, and I went into this like the the back room. We used to call it the green room because it literally the, the walls were painted green, but we called it the green room, and it was always where like she had all these like there was an old grandfather clock in there, and there were all these like, funny little models and things like that in there. And when I went to look for people in there, the light was off and they you're closed good. the door. They shut me in there oh, into the man. green room. You're dead. And you, just think, you just think you're dead? Must be yeah. And when you're that, I was just, I remember like screaming and screaming <laughs> and shouting. They were like holding the doorknob. <laughs> and <laughs> you don't even think to like turn the light on. But do you know what I mean? You're so kind of like, like Paul says, you're dead. And I think this is, this is kind of what I think he captures with, um, with the with the the clap clap game it's so because to me that is i think that's the scariest thing in the whole film the clap clap bit especially when you're at the bottom of the stairs when you're expecting to see something come 
running up the stairs in next time she lights the match and those hands just appear from behind her it's it really it got the thing is as well i've seen this film i haven't seen it for a few years it got me again though it really did get me can can i give you another bit like it's not as scary but i would say the horrible anticipation of when she's like you have to look and then when it when it stops playing the music you'll be over the over your shoulder behind you and it's getting slower and slower and the anticipation is just horrible it's yeah and i mean that's the other thing is it like on those kind of themes silence is one thing but they the way that they manipulate day into nighttime and that just lack of there being any natural light it just you just it feels like the moment that it drops to darkness you're just like oh for god's sake yeah, here we go again here yeah <laughs> no no oh, for f- <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. and you're waiting to jump out of your skin the entire time and the fact that it doesn't come that it doesn't it doesn't make you jump sometimes it sort of just goes there's that 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 one bit where the the kind of demon grabs her foot and she just leave me alone and then that's the scariest scene for me when she yeah. thinks someone's behind the door oh that is horrible, I don't even think you see it there's no jump scare in that no yeah. there's that, not that bit that's the scariest vile, bit though, I'm like I'm just I just can't watch this yeah. what yeah. if something pops out can can yeah. I can I ask you like a two pronged question this may be a slightly you know a slightly deep one but whoever wants to pick it up first but number one. Do you do either of you believe in any of this type of stuff? Do you believe that there there are ghosts, demons, whatever out there? And number two, have you had a uh, a ghostly, spooky experience yourself in your life? Oh, good question. Hmm. <laughs> I think I'm just going to say no and no. So, Hainsy, okay. if you got anything else to add? So that I did. Was... I'm sorry, I did believe in them, and then maybe I just watched enough horror that it's sort of what you call it. Saturized, the right word. Me. I'll take it. It's sure. a lovely word. Sure. Mm. Lexicon. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am not sure. The, the honest answer is I'm not sure. Agnostic on it, but mm. um, but that's the bit that I would have found the spookiest in this film. I think in terms of them being at pains to point it out in sort of not black and white because I think it's in yellow writing but this is like based on a true story or based on real events and then at the end it having the pictures of them and the pictures are in black and white and you're like oh no thank you no bloody thank you and that means they probably this is that doll somewhere and I don't want to see it and I don't also want to hear the tapes or see the pictures. And so I have, in my blissful ignorance, have just been like, I'm not going to Google the life out of this. Because this is one thing that like I'm really bad for. Is I, I came away from watching Young Money and I'm like, oh, sorry, not Young Money, Dumb Money. Um, uh, I come back and watch Dumb Money and I'm like, Googled everything. Like I, I wanted to know the whole thing. I'm like, right, mm-hmm. take me to it. On this, I, ju- I didn't do it. And I think that's because... On some level, I'm aware that there's a very open dialogue there about whether this, whether the like this sort of stuff is real or not. I don't know. What do What do you reckon, me? I'm like you. I'm pretty agnostic um, on the idea of there being kind of ghosts and goblins and the like. Um, I think probably I'm sort of open to it on the mostly on the sense that there's maybe a a way in which we are recorded 
do you know what I mean? Then sometimes those things can split. Like in a, it, it's more of a scientific thing as opposed to a spiritual thing, perhaps that there are alternate realities overlying onto one another, and that kind of explains the idea of ghosts and such. Um, I've I've had a sort of spooky experience myself. Yet when I was a kid, again, um, so you don't know how far or not your imagination was getting away from you. But yeah, it was a school camping trip to the Forest of Dean. And just a, a few of the tents are all experiencing similar things. Um, and you don't know if that's one of those kind of viral things where one yeah. person says this thing happened and everyone starts to see it. But I do definitely remember sort of some strange kind of like... Th- the main thing that we saw one night was like some orb type things um around the campsite which you know who knows i mean that's that's kind of what i'd seen and it was kind of creepy um what if all this was real and people like ed and lorraine warren banished them in the 90s and they are no longer just did the whole lot yeah wiped just them out. one one, one exorcism one one fat exorcism <laughs> just on the exorcism Okay, that was one bit I was like, I'm looking for more. Because I hadn't seen The Conjuring before. So I like in my mind, an exorcism is like quite a... I don't know why, I just was expecting quite a complex procedure. And to him, it was, it was more like read the lines from the book. Because <laughs> they were like, you can do it, you're qualified. And I was like, I'm bloody qualified if that's what it is. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to do it, so no one hire me. I very much not putting myself forward but it, like i was i was expecting a little bit more there and i actually would say that the the payoff of the film what they did really well was that they didn't i don't think they lingered too heavily on that that kind of it was really only like a 5 10 minute sequence wasn't it mm-hmm. the kind of like the scene in the basement where they go and find a little girl and they save the little girl and then they kind of they're like okay we're done here but then you then it goes back to his room that's kind of like the green room you were describing jack and that that then amps up the kind of fear again because you're like oh that's horrible because that we did see the little doll at one point we saw that annabelle doll get out of the out of whatever the glass case that it's in you know, and that was then kind of ramped it back up again. See, those are the bits they do really well. This is like that final act for me in The Conjuring with in the house with the possession and all that type of stuff. It just got too silly for me. Her crawling through the walls after the girl and all that. I was like, yeah, this is just really naff. It's, it's sort of lost me, but I, I get it. I get it. Did it though? It, it did actually, when it got to that bit, when she was kind of like, she was on the chair and they were like punching her in the face to sort of like, <laughs> like get stuck in the chair. Um, yeah. It could just, just becomes a very different film. Uh, like, Cause I thing, was I worried that was me. No, I, it, didn't, it, it, I didn't mind it. Especially you, when the chair lifts up and she flips over. That's creepy. And, and you see, and you see her face change for the first time through the sheet. Do you not think that when she is crawling through the walls, trying to get the girl, it's a bit, it's a bit silly. It is. I just don't know. Like, how else do you finish that sequence? I always think it'd be. I've always. I'm sure one of these does exist. So please, if you are listening and you know of one, let me know. I've always thought it'd be quite um, a, a, a pretty spooky like film to make a possession type film. One of these films, 
and the priest comes and does the possession and there's no you know faces warping there's no you know weird floating about in the room and stuff just somebody talking in tongues and this stuff happening and then basically trying to make a real exorcism film where the exorcism is kind of successful should we say by the end of it but it leaves the audience wondering is that person actually like really mentally ill though and yeah. they're just going to go back into society now or what's what's the whole deal here that to me is kind of a, a scarier thing almost like we were talking about you know the the final shot going under the credits at silence of the lambs when you just see Hannibal yeah, Lecter disappear back out. into society yeah well the, this is one of the things that i like I, I think i brought this up before in the pod but it's part of the reason why i love the film signs because mm. you don't see one of the aliens until spoiler alert incoming by the way um uh you don't see one of the aliens until the final act of the film, like in this, you just get these hints, you know, and you get these moments where you might see a bit of them and there's like a, a really bit, a horrible bit of grainy TV footage or um, they cut the hand off of one or they see one standing on top of the roof. And it, it, the, the whole time you're just being like, where are they going to come from? Where are they going to come from? Where are they going to come from? And it then means you get this real sense of like, you get a release and a relief when you actually see one and you're like, Oh God, that's horrible! Right, get it, sort of thing. Oh my God, that's literally that music is playing in my mind while I was talking. There, it's such an amazing score. It's it is an unbelievable score. It's it's horrible, and like the way that he like smashes the water and then it goes sort of like POV of the of the alien. It sort of goes all over. It's just amazing. But that we've. No, 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 I was going to change the subject, mate. Well, I was just going to say, like, with this, I felt like once we got into that space where she was being, like, launched around and stuff, it's it's horrible and it's unnatural, the movements, but it definitely did take me out a little bit. The stuff that was spooking me and making me just, just completely kind of, like, the hairs on the back of my neck, actually all over my body, I just felt totally on edge, was the the little hints and the little subtle nods and like when the um when the two the the, the I forget the name of the it's it's Lorraine and Ed Warren sorry so when they yeah. first come to the house and she sort of see you just see the feet dangling you know that's like oof, that's horrible you know sorry go on Jack you were going to change the subject well I was going to say would you like to know a little about Ed and Lorraine Please. Warren yeah They're based on real people um. So Ed Warren died in 2006. Um, Lorraine Warren died in 2019, um, quite recently, aged 92 years old. They were American paranormal investigators, authors. He was a self-taught demonologist. um, And she was, as as we see in the film, a psychic medium. Um, They did travel the world working on various different cases such as the Amityville Horror, um, which is a, a, a big one in America. There's lots of films made about that. As seen in The Conjuring 2, the Enfield Poltergeist, they did come over to the UK to visit the, no the, the home in Enfield. Yeah, so it's, it was not just Hollywood doing their thing. Um, and they did work with the Perrin family, who are depicted in The Conjuring. Um, they obviously faced a lot of scepticism throughout their careers you know a lot of people weren't particularly happy with them especially the scientific community um but yeah i mean they seem to be people who 
very much believed what they were doing, stuck by it, and I had a lot of other people who believed in what they were saying as well. They've written a lot of books. I haven't read any of them, but maybe that'd be quite an interesting thing to read. Exorcism, I mean, I should really know this, but exorcism is, well, as it says in the film, it's kind of like very much, it is an accepted thing within the religious community, right? I believe so, but I believe it is also, because um, I, I, I recently watched a BBC series. Um, I think it was called Paranormal Investigations. Um, it was a kind of, it was like a BBC Wales production, I want to say, and there were talking about this sort of famous um, Welsh farmhouse that was that was haunted. There were things appearing on the walls and they found out like a girl had been buried under there in the course of the investigations and stuff. So, yeah, there were some pretty creepy things, but she spoke to the, the, the vicar there at that point about um, exorcisms and such. And he said it is, yeah, it is a service that the church will provide, but it has to get knocked up the chain it's a it's a serious conversation it's not just something that they'll go out and do because the church even admits that a lot of the time there is a very rational explanation for what is going on um in many cases of hauntings and the like see this is the thing right is that in my mind i'm just like i so many things in life i like this you're you're just like Okay, well, if I never come into contact with that ever, that would be just fine. <laughs> um, and and you just kind of naturally go like, I just don't want to, with this in particular, I was just like, I don't want to contemplate the idea that this could be a thing. So when you ask that question, Jack, like, have I ever come into contact with anything like that? Or have I ever had one of those experiences? I'm not 100% sure that I can remember anything. I think I would remember something, but it, it, is also one of those things where I, I try and write it off really quickly in my head. I try and be like, blah, 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 not happening, not happening, not happening. And I think that's part of that. Did Shah tell you what she messaged me after you picked the conjuring? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. She, I think, I, I, I can't remember talking about, I think she said something straight away like, I do like this film or I do like uh horror films it was off the back of you um <laughs> off the back of you saying that she didn't and then she said i've just heard that jack says you're not that into horror films and he picked the bloody conjuring or something like that <laughs> what a horrible <laughs> film for you to have to watch and as soon as she said that i was like oh for fuck I literally, <laughs> she like, i'm gonna absolutely brick it so uh, th that's part of the reason why uh, after she'd given me the warning that's part of the reason why i watched it with the lights on and didn't do the whole kind of like sitting in a dark room but to your point earlier on purdy sorry this is a very long way of getting around to this point i do think there's something in this as well in that the environment in which you watch it can have a massive impact mm. by the different elements of the film that will make you jump out of your skin or make you feel like absolute sort of like I, I can remember going with um i can remember going on a date when i was like maybe like 13 to go and watch the ring and you were going I, on dates at 13, maybe 14, maybe lucky boy hit puberty at eight. No, I'm joking. What? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that that's a lie. Um, <laughs> no, I, 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 um, I, I, we were, me and a girl were out on a date at like 13, 14, went to the cinema and 
I remember we, we, it was you. You go to watch a scary film, right? As part of the thing to like, protect her because you're the man. I, I, honestly, I needed protection. I was yeah. genuinely, absolutely <laughs> petrified, and I'm sure it was a massive turnoff. But I just that experience of being in a dark, dark room with an amazing sound system, like. I was sitting there with like my hood up, (laughs) my my hood up on my jacket, just totally petrified. And I think I I imagine because I didn't watch. Did either of you watch it in the cinema? No, no. See, I imagine. I don't think so. No. If you went to watch this at the cinema, you would have absolutely like clean pair of undies needed job, you know, really like would have scared the life out of me. Is it the scariest film you've seen? You know what's really interesting, right, is watching this and The Shining in the same week, so I watched them pretty much back to back, um, Mm. it made me realise just how different horror can be. Yeah, yeah. It really, really kind of like, because they're so, they do so much different stuff. I don't know, what where would this be for you, Perds, on the all-timers? Top five, definitely. Top five scary. Maybe three. Three, I think I know. Well, Sinister's first, and then Insidious, the first one. That's one and two. See, I do you, you really like horrors, huh? Yeah, I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, as I like, I've watched loads in lockdown, and as I said, I studied it at A level, so I maybe just took an interest from there. But I don't know. Just you don't get that emotion from anything else, so I guess that's why I like it. And seeing it in a cinema is the best way to experience it, obviously. Yeah. Do you both quite like the feeling of being scared? I know that's a weird thing to say. I now start laughing after I get scared, but I used to be like, like, fuck this, I'm leaving right now. (laughs) (laughs) But no, I quite enjoy it now. Yeah, I think I do. Yeah, it keeps you on your toes, doesn't it? See, I I do and I don't. I like that feeling. I'm the same as you, Purdy. I like it. And then I'm sort of like, I sort of like laugh it off. Like, you know, that huge jump scare in this when you do see the little girl on top of the wardrobe. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I think I'm also like fascinated in how the the filmmakers are giving you that feeling by literally having no sound on and a slow zoom can evoke that much fear. I just yeah, find it amazing. And it how they can do it so badly with something like The Nun 2, which I haven't seen yet and I probably won't, but. It's a fine line, so, isn't it? But it seems so simple. Like the techniques are just so simple, but you can easily ruin it. A lot of it's the performances of the actors as well, isn't it? You know, making it believable. Well, <sighs> do you know, I'll tell you what, one of the big things is honestly, I think is people begging the scares too much. It's like I say, an over-reliance on sound effects, an over-reliance yeah. on big, stabby kind of music. I mean... Psycho is one that uses stabby music literally, and but they he does it quite, yeah. He does but it the scariest bit is seeing his silhouette, not her getting stabbed. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The door, I hate that bit yeah. so much when you just see the door <laughs> opening and it, gra- it getting closer and closer. It still gives me the creeps. It's a film yeah. from the 1950s, isn't it? Or 60s, 60s, yeah. It's so interesting you say though about the performances, Jack, because I was going to ask you about that. I wondered whether it aided the film or whether it held the film back that you have people who you recognize but you don't go oh well that's just Leonardo DiCaprio or that's just 
ex, you know, it's, it's people mm. that you're like, yeah, no, I've seen that person in a few films before. And like Patrick Wilson's been in some good stuff. Um, and Vera Farmiga has been in some good stuff as well. Like it's, there's a, there's a, there's a few like fairly big names in there. Ron Livingston's another one. He's been in, he was in, he was in, um, Ferris Bueller, wasn't he? Ferris Bueller, and and then the other one more recently, which uh, Wolf of Wall Street. He was the FBI yeah. guy in Wolf of Wall Street. Office he's space. in Band of Brothers. Like, um, yeah, he's, he's he's been in a lot of stuff. So like, but they're not. They're probably not on that plane of being like a I don't know, like a Matthew McConaughey, Leonardo DiCaprio, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, or do you know what I mean? Mm. And I wondered whether you thought that maybe kind of like helps it be more scary. It may do. Yeah, it may do. Because it doesn't take you out of it, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. think you'd believe DiCaprio being scared. Or something yeah, like that, perhaps you? not. Yeah, I, I, do, I do get what you mean. Like, yeah, you couldn't really imagine like a horror movie of Margot Robbie in it, could you? No, but like, i tell you what was really interesting. Remember when we spoke about The Others last week mm. and i remembered the fact that like nicole kidman she actually like just her kind of just the way that she moves and her kind of like her look and stuff it did actually lend itself to being quite sort of perfect for a horror film yeah and she was a-list back then wasn't she so. she was yeah 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 and, like i mean it, the, the other thing is is that all those kids are now like fully grown up the, the kids are in the country because it's 10 years old so it's even more scary seeing how adult they look but um where um where to where to next i wanted to ask a little bit about this have you, either of you done any reading up or seen any behind the scenes stuff on this no actually. no i haven't no i haven't at all why did you no i haven't and, and i wonder whether they just don't make it as readily I, available i wouldn't want to see it i don't think you, really like that was i mean i was literally gonna ask. just be like the gag <laughs> <laughs> but i do wonder how you whether it's because in the most part i would say creating films creating media is quite fun and i do wonder whether this is something that is quite like i don't not a chore but i wonder whether it's quite emotionally heavy um i don't think they're actually scared doing it are they? It's just, well, it's more the fact that if you've got a screen for, if you're doing 20 takes of drama in the most part, you kind of do, I don't know, a minimum of, say, like five passes at something. So like on The Shining, they, this is, I found this so fascinating. There's a scene in The Shining where she's um, running up the step running up a set of stairs and she just turns and sees someone at the end of the corridor and she's so out of breath and like all over the place um and like Kubrick was by all accounts sounds like a bit of a a kind of a bit of a weirdo in terms of his process and stuff but apparently he made her do it 35 times yeah and they oh, yeah, reckon it would that. be the that she would have ran up the equivalent of the Empire State Building yeah <laughs> Like it, it, with all of the takes that you made to do. So by the by the time that she did the take that you used, she was exhausted and just emotionally like battered. Um, so and it made me think. This kind of made me think of that when it was the little girl just screaming about the things she could see behind the door, 
And the dad's like, there's nothing there. But she's like shrieking at the top of her voice. And I just thought, that must be quite a draining experience. Like if you're doing, say, 10 takes of that, 15 takes of that, it can't be that easy to be able to like bounce out of it and then just be like, oh, okay, and now on with I, the rest of my day. I, f- I found a few interesting facts from the film, if you want, if, you, if you're oh, interested in anything. So the Perrin family, um, a couple of members of the Perrin family did work with the actors and were on set at various times wow. to to advise and to share some of their um, their experiences on the film quite creepily. Okay, it says here that some members of the cast and crew reported unusual occurrences on set during filming, such as unexplained cold spots and electrical malfunctions. Here's a really horrible part. Vera Famiga who portrayed Lorraine Warren, claimed to have experienced these strange, strange phenomenon happening in her own home no. whilst she was working oh, on the film. Oh, no. There you go. There you Please, go. no. Surely not. Please, <laughs> just no. Uh, d- d- this is quite interesting. So I guess there's an air, there's an air of method. Um, oh, no. An, an air of method acting to this. The, the, the shoot itself, the location was extremely isolated because they wanted to create more atmosphere for the cast and everything like that. They used a farmhouse in an in a remote area of North Carolina, um, uh, which basically so meant I that would, yeah, the, I the would cast be and crew were completely yeah. immersed. By the way, yeah. that tree is mental. It looked like they designed the tree it, to look like does. the scariest thing. Yeah, it, it is does. horrible, isn't it? it? It bloody does. And it is just that, like, that the the house itself. Jack, you remember when we were talking at, like talking about Cluedo last week? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, like, the kind of the look of a big haunted mansion. This is the embodiment of it. Like, it's just mm. the, with the little trap doors and the kind yeah. of, like the creakiness of it and even the bit at the beginning where he starts removing the slates, he starts removing already. You're like, I don't stop removing stuff. <laughs> Leave it as is. Don't touch it yet. You don't know what's down there. And like how creepy that it's those three keys on the piano. Yeah. That they play ding, ding, ding. And like, then you hear them later on and it like, it's just that horrible, that this is another thing is that like you know what I was saying earlier on about your brain just knowing when they flick a match and your brain just knows it's like right okay that he's going to run out of time soon yeah i feel like your brain just picks up on these little when you hear the those piano keys that are out of tune it, like immediately it does something to you that you can't control that you're like everything is not okay like yeah. that does not sound right. Like that's not on what is happening here because like you're, and, and you get that weird like fight or flight reflex of like, okay, I need to be on edge. And it's, that, that in itself, I think is such a fine line because you can get it, you can get it so right. But like you guys said earlier on, you can get it so wrong as well. And very quickly, I, I can imagine there must've been so many films where people have gone away thinking like we've nailed that. And then you get into the edit and you're like, this is the worst pile of crap that anyone has ever made ever. Like, and it's not scary and it doesn't feel. Well, I mean, it's that it's the, it's the, the James Wan touch really. I mean, it's, it's him that, I mean, this film, you know, it made over $300 million worldwide horror films, you know, they tend to do all right. There's, there's enough of them, but they are a bit of a conveyor belt, but he really has like, you know, he, 
came up with Saw. Saw completely changed the game. The Conjuring. Is that all him? Insidious, yep. Um, wow. Malignant quite recently. Uh, Megan again quite recently. I mean, he, he's got a track record of delivering really good horror films and you can see that you can see that it's not just about the material it is the way in which he presents it because as i was saying already about of the nun you just have to look at the films that the conjuring has spawned um it has created its own cinematic universe if you want there is a conjuring universe you've got the annabelle films you got the nun films you got one called the curse of la lorna as well which is apparently set within that. the same Cinematic universe, and I mean, it's decent. It's yeah, fine. but that's it, aren't they? They, they're all, some of them. Are, I think I can't remember if it was the first or the second Annabelle was all right, um, but they're just not that good. And I think a lot of this is owed to James Wan, who just, yeah, he's. I think this film, all right. I've got my sort of yeah. I don't really like the way it ended or anything like that. But films come to an end, and it's a possession movie. You know, it is what it is. Um, it's probably taking some of the beats from a from a classic like The Exorcist, which doesn't end in a massively dissimilar way. Um, so, you know, I think he's 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 killed this really. I think he's I think he's done a you know a great job, and I think it it it's a genuinely I was genuinely scared watching this film again, um, and I tend not to get that scared by from like what you were saying, Purdy, like once you've seen kind of a few horror films i don't really get that scared by them anymore i get scared by maybe some of the ideas that are within them that's it's more mm, my overactive definitely. imagination when i think oh you know what if this type of thing was to happen to me but then it doesn't always need to be a horror film for for films to scare me nowadays um but yeah there's something about this something about the creepy kind of atmosphere that james wan um has has created here that is uh that I think is that I think is very good. Um, should we should we do our MVPs? Yeah, let's do it. Wait, wait. I have one more point. Oh, go film. on, go on. Actually, go on. it could tie into this. Why? Why did they put like a couple of comedy moments in here, and were they out of place? Which ones point? you thinking of, mate? Well, you know the. I think it was the police guy was like, "Oh, it's probably just a draft." Like halfway through the film, and then at the end, the other guy's like after the police guy basically gets clapped in the face by something, he's like, so how about that draft? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. I do, do you know what? That's a really good point, actually. I did think that those two were really interesting characters to add in. Because he does it in Insidious as well, James Wan. He has the two camera guys. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But I, like, I really like those characters. Yeah. But I don't know why it felt more out of place here and why you'd even introduce them. Yeah, it was interesting that, wasn't it? Because it, What's like they, why? I wondered whether that was to make to lure you into a false sense of security. Like I think it's very deliberate that one of them, well, that actually they're both like, oh, here come the men, you know, <laughs> like we've we've brought the men yeah. with us. So then it's like, well, we're safe now. And then he's a cop, right? Yeah. The so and then he gets like he goes and looks out the the window and suddenly like he realises that he's not safe either and he kind of like looks, suddenly the, there's the little girl and he sort of is like, ah, mm. and they have to come mm. in and save and it uh, save him and it perhaps makes people then realise like, actually this goes beyond the idea of just being big and strong, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's like the audience perspective because, you know, uh, we might walk into that house and be like, 
oh, there's nothing going on here. <laughs> and then, you know, you get clapped by some demon. Because there's a Did bit when they're setting up the cameras and it's really suspenseful and the door's creaking and he's just come out from having a piss. And yeah, like, and they are quite Whoa. blasé, aren't they, as well? Yeah, th- it's it's partly this kind of stuff though. It's partly to soften you up, right? It's to make the scares more prickly True. again. It's it's like I'm when you get scared anyway. I think. Well, but when you get into a point in the film, maybe the filmmakers are thinking, okay, it's been scare after scare after scare. Maybe people are getting used to this. Let's bring them back. Let's bring them back to a safe place, a comfortable place where we've got these relatable characters who are cracking a few jokes, and then bang, let's give them another fucking slit slit wristed demon in the in the laundry room. You oh, know? that was horrible, wasn't it? Yeah. That was just awful. Is it what oh. what's your baby do? Isn't it? Is it what's your shout? <laughs> something like that. Is, is it I don't wanna... it's horrible, something it's like just that. Not... Um uh who's who's winning for people? Who got the MVP? Compass. I was gonna say Patrick Wilson. Oh we I think he's the most convincing. I don't okay. think it's either of the parents, especially the dad was I completely forgot on his face. I've maybe seen this four times. I couldn't remember him being in it. Really forgettable for me. So I just think Patrick Wilson or Vega something. That you Vera Famiga. Sure. Them two. I... Either of those were the most convincing for me. Okay. Well, who's yours, Jack? I I might. I'm just trying to find out which one it was. Who's the girl who's getting her foot pulled and she April? points to the thing behind right? the bed? April stands out as a name. Christine or Christine yeah I think Christine is the one I think it's yeah Joey King yeah yeah because I feel like she was really good I feel that scene was was pretty amazing um and yeah Patrick Wilson's great and I was I always just I think Vera Farmiga is brilliant as well like in most things that she does so did you both yeah. think that the, the, um, Lily Taylor as the mum was was not great? Yeah, I, I wasn't. I didn't. I wasn't massively on it. I think I, she I felt like she was phoning it in a bit. Oh really? Yeah. See, like because she's think... done decent films, you know. Like I think for her to be suddenly like, oh right, I'm doing this sort of horror film, you know, she might yeah. be a bit like mm. well, that that bit where he was like, come back, come back. You're fine. Come back. Is that yeah. okay? Yeah. Come on, bro. You might have to try a little bit harder than that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's just gonna come back now. That like the the devil that was trying to literally rip your face off a minute ago. Oh, now you've said come back. I'll jump on out of here. Um, I I, I thought she was okay. I'm I'm not sure. I I think I might be with you, Jack. I think that like she that um Joey King like did a really good job of that. Just kind of like that sort of blood curdling scream sort of like genuine fear you know i thought that was ace um i, I guess the like this is quite a tough question but because it's 10 years old how do we think it's aged Ooh. i think I if it came fun. out now it would be one of the yeah. scariest things ever made yeah 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 still yeah i, I think so and I, I don't i can't really think of anything that's particularly problematic or anything within the film don't know like i don't think there's too much you could particularly go out on this that you would say because it's quite an, an, a nuanced subject and it's based on a true story i don't know how much you could you could really say is is, is aged badly yeah. um 
I have a little game for you both. <sighs> Shoot. Given that we know what our next film is going to be, because it's The Shining, mm-hmm. and it's a feature we could do uh, each week if we wanted to, I would like to know if you can get from The Conjuring to The Shining via members of the cast that oh, have performed no. with each other. No. So five five hops you're allowed. Like the, on the fifth hop, you've got to land at The Shining. So you would say X person has been in this film with this person. And then you can use that as a way to get to the next film. Now, I've just completed it in my head. Have you? Yes. Oh, I'd need a bit of time. Go on, Perry, give it a go. Let me have what? a think about I don't this. even I know the people. No, have a think. You can, you can use it. Like, I'll tell you what, Perry, instead of the instead of the kind of like um, intense kind of what are you going to choose next music, um, we could potentially put in the countdown music. And can like, you give me your jumping off point? I think, that, you should, I think you should start with Patrick Wilson. Well, I was going to... I was already typing his name in, if I'm allowed to do that. Well, no, you're not. Of course you're not allowed to type it in. That's well. the quiz. This is the real <laughs> quiz. <laughs> okay, Patrick Wilson to... Well, it's Jack's going next if we're doing it as a team effort. Yep. <laughs> um... I'll give you a little. I'll give you a little hint about this. So he was in a film, which has got a quite strange title. Um, oh, Into the Tall Grass. No, I wasn't going to go with that. <laughs> okay. I was going to go with a film which is about two parents taking their kids to the swimming pool. Grown ups. So I'll give you this jumping off point and then you can go from here. So the film's called Little Children, um, starring Kate Winslet and Patrick Wilson. Kate Winslet was Where in The going? Holiday. With? Oh, I'm actually there. No. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I guess with Jude Law? No, it's not The Holiday. It's not The Holiday, is it? No. What has Kate, no. Win- Kate She's Winslet... She's been in Extras. What has Kate Winslet been in? Extras. One of the biggest films of all time. Titanic. With? Leo DiCaprio. Who starred in... The Departed. There yes! you go. <laughs> wow, nicely done. Nicely done. Get Very well Take done. Take a half point, probably. Yeah. Be, it's, the Pat- it's the Patrick Wilson one. I was like, I'm just... I'm racking my brains. What was like, the jumping off in. from Patrick Wilson? Oh, little, so, yeah, no, little children. Yeah, don't know what it's, it's a bit niche, that one. But it did quite well, actually. It was quite well received. Um... But yeah, that is uh, that's where we're going to that's next good. with Shining. Nice. The Shining. And I'm not going to get to the cinema. I don't think I'm going to get to the cinema over the next few days. So I'm actually going to be recording from abroad again next time. Um, Ooh. But Ooh, we flash have... you, aren't you? Where's you my <laughs> You can come if you want, Masika. Okay. Um, uh, but Jack, you have still one film that you've been to go and see. And maybe Purds, maybe you need to get to the cinema and you can give us some... The, some hot the, takes the creators out this week you know it should be oh, uh going to see that we're about to get into that season aren't we we're about to get into oscar season yeah go and see an imax oh lovely i love that um purdy what a pleasure have you enjoyed your your very on... much so i hope i wasn't too much of a nuisance you're wonderful oh, well <laughs> you rascal yeah, yeah. 
first cap. Maybe I'll be on again. Maybe. First of many. Um, Okay, well, what a pleasure. Oh, actually, no. How did, it, how, did, how did the film perform? God, yeah. yeah, we haven't done I, I saw what it was on IMDb, so count me out. No, 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 go on, Perth. No, I know, I know. Yeah, there's... I'm, oh, okay, I thought we had to guess. It? it was 7.5, and the second one was 7.3. What was What was that? Ooh. Metacritic? Oh, that was IMDb. I didn't check the others. The Conjuring on Rotten Tomatoes is... 86% certified oh, wow. fresh. Nice. Very good score. 83% from the uh, from the audience as well. I think um, that's tough as well, isn't it? For a horror film to get that. I think it's yeah, harder yeah. for horror films. I think that must yeah, be one yeah. of the highest. One of the best. Yeah. What, what really, is the highest? It's James Wan, man. He's just, he's, he's 68 on the Metacritic. No badge. No that's badge. quite low. No badge. No if you're going to yeah. watch a horror film, that has a badge. Would would you, say, do you want to know what RogerEbert.com said? The Conjuring is as toothless as it is because it's two kinds of boring. Honestly, the God. film's plot is explained <laughs> exhaustively <laughs> and random objects, blah, blah, blah. Oh, shut up. It's just a boring. I'm more bored of your review, man. <laughs> um, the Wall Street Journal say uh, the big difference is that The Exorcist took the nation by storm with fresh ideas and brilliant filmmaking. The Conjuring conjures with amped up echoes of old ideas and represents a bet that they still retain their creepy appeal for today. Nah, I don't agree, mate. But The Exorcist is not scary anymore, unfortunately. Is it not? I find it unnerving. I do find it unnerving. Mm, It's it's silly. It's cringe. Mm. Really? Her screaming like that is just not. It's just odd. I still find it unnerving. I don't don't know if I'd agree that it's I watched it for the first time you know, three years ago in my twenties. So mm. I didn't have the, I guess you watched it as a kid or whatever. Cause Maybe, you're so yeah. old. Um, but, but the film's, <laughs> you it's, you it's 50 Jack years old. old. Like, do you know what I mean? Jack saw it in the cinema. <laughs> 50 years old. I probably saw it at the same time as me, you cheeky. <laughs> Fucking. Oh, I ruined it at the last hurdle. We're about to <laughs> You're doing this. so well. Oh dear. <laughs> Cut that bit out, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. I think he's gone. Has he got? Oh, yeah, that's it. He's had enough. I will have to. Oh god! Oh god! Oh, no, god, that's it. We'll keep it on here, Purdy. Where can everyone follow us? <laughs> oh, oh, now BYOB podcast on Twitter. No, I'll just put the links on screen like I usually do. I can't remember. <laughs> I'll get it Thanks wrong. for listening, everybody. Yeah. Tune in next time for the Shining. Bye-bye. Bye bye.